welcome to episode eight of the Delgado Podcast, a show featuring academics, authors, artists, and people who challenge the way we think and how to take action. Last week, we talked to Dr. N.T. Wright about his latest book, Broken Signposts, how Christianity makes sense of the world and ways that spirituality has become fractured in society and in ourselves. In today's episode, we're going to talk more about ways to practice spirituality and the benefits of working with a spiritual director. N.T. Wright shares how spiritual directors can provide us with helpful insights on how to understand ourselves and ways God may be working in our lives, especially during those dark and doubting seasons. Dr. Wright also shares why daily psalm reading is a helpful practice to help us see the spiritual highs and lows that are part of the Christian life. This episode is packed with practical advice on Bible reading and prayer practices. Here's our conversation. So it's all of that and much, much more. But of course, the whole thing about reading scripture is that scripture is the Jesus-shaped book. And as one is reading scripture, one ideally ought to be consciously thinking, this is Jesus' story. And I get to be a Jesus follower and by hanging on to Jesus' coattails and getting to know him, all this becomes my story. And it means what it means through the lens of Jesus. So that all the very odd bits in, say, Joshua and Judges, they mean what they mean in the light of the cross, of the suffering of God himself on the cross, and, and so on and so on. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, and, and I love uh, how you're kind of tying it all back to Christ, who you talk about in the book as the true temple. And then you also talk about in that passage about how we are called to be temple people too. And I love that, hey, you just explained kind of your practice of like what temple life kind of looks like, like how you're kind of spending time in meditation, reading, studying, being with God's people, fellowship, like that's like temple work. And I was wondering like, how do we like become better temples? Like what would be like some practical things that for us that are like, just on a day-to-day basis, how do we be better temples? Well, learning to pray is learning to pray, and and prayer is is not easy. I heard an excellent sermon on prayer two days ago, and I intend to get the text of it from the colleague who preached it because uh, there's an mm. awful lot in it. Um, but but prayer is the practice of being in the presence of God, or the practice of being open to God being present with and in me and us, and. Uh, this is this is why we have spiritual directors and so on, because we're all different temperamentally. And some people find certain styles of prayer very, very difficult. And then they think, oh, dear, I'm not very good at prayer. And the answer is maybe there are other ways of prayer. Um, and people have aligned this with, as I said before, Myers-Briggs or the Enneagram or, or mm. whatever. And interestingly, many years ago, uh, one of my earlier books, um, a friend said to me, it's interesting because you're an extrovert and most books on prayer are written by introverts. Um, <laughs> and, and I thought, well, that's an interesting comment. Um, and yeah, so so yes, maybe I have, have had to learn to pray as an extrovert. Um, and maybe some introverts do find it much easier uh, in certain respects. Um, but as an extrovert, my natural tendency is to reach out to the wider world. And I have a prayer diary with dozens and dozens of names. And I go through some every day, some once a week. Um, and I, I'm just constantly aware of being in prayer, holding on to these people. And of course, most of them I don't hear from every week at all. So I don't have up to date news of all of them all the time by any manner of means. But, you know, there are some long term situations and it's just a matter of standing there and holding on to them in the presence of God. And then some of them will 
come to the surface in particular ways and then big issues as well. Um, it's because the temple, though it's a single building, it reaches out to embrace the world because the creator comes to live there and because of the purpose that what God does in the temple is what he's going to do for the whole creation. That wonderful bit at the end of Psalm 72 where um, when the king does justice and mercy for the widow and the orphan and the stranger and so on, then the earth will be full of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea, etc. Uh, so the king builds the temple so that God can come and dwell there. The king does justice so that God can dwell in all the world. And that royal vocation shapes who we are as Messiah people, as the royal family. Um, and so we, we pray those psalms looking out into the world that needs that vision. So that's I'm rambling, but you you hear where I'm going with that. I, I love that. And it, it's like a, it was like a good reminder when, you, when you're talking about like, we're temples like that that's an important point that jesus is making and i also love the comment from your friend about uh uh prayers as an extrovert that would be a good book for you to write <laughs> how to pray as an extrovert because i find like um like i have to walk like for me like it's hard for me just to sit down i need to be out and about yes interesting uh, i i know friends who who do peripatetic prayer walks uh, i've only done that on occasion there have been certain times in my life when i've just thought i need to walk around this block and pray through this and that and the other um, mostly i find that too distracting <laughs> i if i'm out and about there's all sorts of things which and then i think no you're supposed to be praying but um and i so i find that rather difficult and hence if i'm at the desk with i have various symbols there which anchor me and and help me to hold on to what I'm supposed to be doing. Of course, prayer, as every spiritual director knows, the, the human mind can invent distractions out of thin air. So we all have to battle with that. I, I love that you mentioned spiritual director several times. I want to ask you about that process of seeking one out, what to look for, because that's, that oh. seems like a very complicated task. It, it is. It is. I have been very fortunate in that um, when I've been in different jobs in different parts of the country i have made cautious investigations and i have been recommended people and i think i've always gone with the first recommendation and so far it's always worked um and uh, on, on one occasion i was staying for a retreat in a monastery and there was one monk there who i thought i really trust you <laughs> and a guy about my own age uh, just a very humble wise intelligent but not showy guy and I just thought this is somebody I can be totally honest with and open with. Uh, but it's a very, very personal thing. Um, and I have not been a spiritual director myself, except in very limited cases. It's not been one of my particular vocations and gifts. And it is quite a specialized ministry. And some people just have a prayerful, insightful approach to life, which enables them to sit with people and to weep with people and pray with them and so on. And, and that's a great gift. So I don't have any particular advice, except I would imagine in any given church, certainly in mainstream churches, there will be people who you can ask, you know, who, who around here would be a good spiritual director? And they will say, well, actually, a lot of people think so-and-so is rather good or whatever. But it, it, it's a tricky one. And it kind of goes on under the radar quite a lot. Yeah, because um, I don't hear too much about it. And I'm kind of curious, like practically, like what does that look like? Are you like you just like meet with them on a regular basis? Yeah. Mostly, mostly it would be meeting with them maybe three or four times a year. Um, and 
I would normally expect to spend maybe between an hour and a half and two and a half hours. An hour is a bit short, particularly if it is only three times a year or four times a year. Mm. Often quite a lot has gone on and the first 20 minutes or so will be pouring out. Oh, it's so good to talk to somebody about this. And, mm. and they will be sitting and listening and nodding and praying and taking notes maybe. And then there'll be a long pause and maybe a cup of tea. And then they will ask a leading question. And they'll say, now, but how was it about such and such? And what memories did that bring up for you or whatever? And Because it's a kind of a crossover between being a psychotherapist and being a confessor. It's somewhere in between those two. And it can move imperceptibly this way and that. Um, and those who are good at it, um, I remember introducing one student to a particular director and she came out and said, basically, he's a psychotherapist in a Catholic. And I said, yeah, that's, that's what he is. And I said, that, that's what you need right now. <laughs> I love that. And, and it's very much, uh, again, tapping into this theme of spirituality. Like that yeah. is at the crux of it. Like you're having these spiritual conversations and the spiritual director is kind of being led by the spirit to then provoke you of a question. Exactly. And to be able to spot if you're drifting down unhealthy paths, which we can all do, um, or to spot if you may actually be nudged in some particular direction, but for some reason there's some resistance. And, you know, it's often a spiritual director who will say to somebody after a sort of fifth or seventh or ninth meeting, could it be that God is calling you into full time preaching ministry or whatever? Um, and the person will say, oh, no, not me. I couldn't possibly do that. And then six weeks later, they'll come back to the spiritual director and say, you know what you said to me? <laughs> it's funny, but actually, da, 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 da. And, and there is a, a process of discernment. In my tradition, we talk a lot about discernment, about being with somebody and together discerning what God seems to be saying to them in their lives, and which is a wonderful thing. And as a bishop, I've come in on the receiving end of that in that <clears throat> when I've been charged with ordaining people, other people have prepared them and so on. And I sort of meet them halfway along the stage um, or the last bits of the journey and discover how their call was discerned and nurtured and nourished. And that's a beautiful thing and often quite a painful thing, but then very lovely when you can pray with them and lay hands on them and send them out into a parish and get on with the job. Yeah, I think uh, a spiritual director, director would be extremely helpful, especially during those time, those dark seasons, those, yeah, those yeah, really absolutely. rough patches where absolutely. maybe we feel the most distant from God, like the yeah, least yeah. spiritual. Sure. And, and, and yes, and a good spiritual director will know perfectly well that this is normal, but that it can have some quite different causes. And it may be a perfectly normal thing within the life cycle of this person's spiritual development that they're moving into a new place and it feels very strange, but actually it is where God is leading them. And people talk about the dark night of the soul or about going into the desert, whatever. Or it may be, and this would be a matter of discernment, that they are in fact, without maybe even realizing it, um, harboring some secret longing or sin or whatever, which has in fact deadened a bit of them so that they are shutting off. Or I remember my wife and I working with a, a very sad young woman who just couldn't feel the love of God at all. And the more we explored what was going on, 
there was within her a deep hatred for her own parents for all sorts of comprehensible reasons and we our discernment was please god whether we were right or not i still don't know but that uh, she had locked the door against um giving and receiving love to the people who should have been closest to her and by locking that door she had locked the door against the love of god um and that there was a, a forgiveness which had to happen which would have been an opening of the door um which might then let the love of god in but th these are these are you know you take your life in your hands when you're doing this kind of pastoral work and that those are like the the toughest seasons and this is where therapy obviously is very helpful sure. and having sure. spiritual direction is super helpful um to get at the root of what's what's yeah. causing this break um right. and, and sometimes the the director may say um i think what we're getting into here is is actually above my pay grade and let me give you a couple of phone numbers of people who could call who can take it further on that front um remember saying this to one guy one time who said are you saying i need to see a shrink i said no it's just that there are certain technicalities which like if you go to the doctor with something and he may say you need to see a specialist on this it just means he's a general practitioner and and he doesn't want to be um, responsible for getting it wrong and i say i'm 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 the same i'm when it comes to spiritual direction i'm very much a general practitioner rather than a, a high-on specialist yeah and, and i find like like during those like very dark seasons like the the laments from from david like the psalms where he's crying out to god like those are just the absolutely. passes i cling to because i'm like he gets it absolutely. absolutely and uh and there are times exactly when we plunge into psalm 44 and we say look i i i've been doing the best i can and all this seems to be happening to me and what on earth's going on and and times of of, of real despair and darkness um, and perhaps because we've clung on to the wrong thing and then it's been taken from us. And so now we feel, oh, dear, and we guess what? Have to rely on God. Um, and that's very hard. We all go through that. I wrote a little book. You may have seen it just a few months ago called God and the Pandemic. Um, and I was um, arguing very strongly that rather than say, oh, the pandemic has happened because um, we are being punished by God for some societal sins or whatever. No, um, th th this stuff is normal. Um, diseases happen in this world, like earthquakes happen and tsunamis and cancer and so on. Um, and th the answer is not God is punishing us. I mean, God, God can do whatever God wants, but that's not the normal answer. The normal answer is we need to lament. And out of that lament, and as you say, the Psalms give us the material for doing that in spades. Out of that lament can come fresh insight and wisdom and humility and hope. And that's actually what Romans 8 is all about, because Romans 8 has lament built into it. But we think of it as a shout of joy because it ends up nothing in all creation shall separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. But in order to get there, you have to go through for your sake. We are being killed all day long and counted as sheep for the slaughter. And uh, that that's the that's Romans 8 ranks with john mm. the great chapter of christian spirituality interesting yeah because like those like joyful passages don't make any sense when you're suffering like <laughs> it doesn't make any sense at all like i don't feel that way at all like that's sure, where sure. Th those david those uh those laments are, are very powerful we in the western church i don't think do lament very well um uh, because we like to be upbeat if people come to church we want them to be happy and 
all the rest of it. Somebody said to me recently that the whole charismatic movement and whether it's Hillsong or Holy Trinity Brompton or whatever, the Alpha Course, most of the songs that that's generated have been cheerful, upbeat, happy songs. And that, that's great, but that's only one part of life. And, and one of the things I really worry about in today's generation is the absence of psalm singing in so many churches. This is the first time in history that there have been major movements of Christian spirituality that have not used the Psalms. And if you ask them, why, oh, they're, they're so difficult and people don't understand them. I'm sorry, just get on and sing them. Find, you know, translate them into new verse, whatever, but, but use them and people will rise up and call you blessed for doing so. There's actually um, a group that I listened to a while back called the Songs of Korah. And they basically oh, yeah. only do psalms, like yeah, from yeah, what yeah. I've read, like heard. They, they I've, sing I've songs. I've heard of that. Yes, yes, yes. That's very interesting. <laughs> yeah, I, I have a whole section of my library. I think it's in another room, actually, which is all about contemporary studies of the psalms and different uses. So there oh. is a lot of fresh use of the psalms going on. But my fear is that a lot of Christians from week to week just don't know them at all. Um, I wouldn't be without them. I have a friend in Northern California. Which bit of California are you in? Whereabouts are you? I'm in Orange County. So further south. I have a friend up near Sacramento. And he and I email each other quite frequently. We're, we're of, a, of an age. We were in grad school together many years ago. And we, we are both Anglican clergy and we are both just psalm lovers. And we will email each other and say, oh, I was praying psalm such and such this morning. And I was just thinking about this. And, and then we, we kind of just share that love of psalms together um, on the email, which is wonderful. Yeah, uh, it's so funny you, you mentioned about. I don't. I don't really think too much about the the how so many worship songs are are definitely meant to praise and be more upbeat, and you definitely get that with Hillsong and Phil Wickham, and there's great songs, right? Sure, but then, sure. like you're right, there is like that missing element sometimes of like the Psalms also incorporate grief, laments, which are all part of Christian life. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. and and there are times when. We desperately need those. And even if, see, I, I, I work through the Psalms on a, on a daily basis. My Anglican tradition in the prayer book, you get through the Psalms every month. There are some monastic traditions where you get through the Psalms every day. Oh, which, wow. You know, you do them quite fast. And of course, you know them by heart. So you come in at two in the morning and you have your service there and you'll have four or five or six or seven. Then you'll have um, lords or matins or whatever at five and then at eight and then midday prayer and afternoon and evening and night prayer. And you're rattling through them. And it means, of course, that everything else you're doing during the day, you've just got the Psalms mm. as your resource the whole time, um, which is an amazing. But anyway, um, I say work through them. And sometimes I get to the, the the lamenting psalms and I'm not feeling like that at all. But I know people who are lamenting right now. There are Syrian refugees bobbing around in boats in the Adriatic Sea trying to get some to rescue. Um, I can pray that psalm of lament for that family, which is a perfectly ordinary family that because of geopolitical nonsense, lost everything and is desperately needy and I can hold on to them with that psalm even though I'm feeling happy and comfortable and other times the other way around I'm feeling miserable and here I've got a really cheerful psalm oh well Lord I'm glad somebody's cheerful today but it's not me <laughs> <laughs> and you can you can do that. It's, it's, that that's part of being part of the body of Christ yeah and I think sometimes a struggle with reading the psalm like you were getting at too 
is that it can sometimes be difficult. Like we don't know exactly the illusion, the metaphor being used. Oh, um, of course. Yeah, of course. yeah. So, so how do how do we get through those bits? If if you you can keep a notebook, you can keep a journal, and uh, you know every so often. I really don't know what Psalm 65 verse 2 is all about. And then you can, when you, probably not during the prayer time itself, though some people would do that, you can get a commentary, you can go online, there's lots of resources online now, um, or you can pull a commentary off your shelf if you're lucky enough to have a commentary on that book, and you can look and see what other people have made of it. And you can get, I've got maybe 10 or a dozen different trans, different modern English translations of the Bible here. Um, and I just did a search this afternoon earlier on because I'm writing a commentary at the moment and I wanted to look through a passage in all the different translations I had and make notes on um, how they handle particularly tricky verses. And that kind of joggles you out of an assumption that it must be this and, oh, wait a minute, maybe there's that. And then... Um, when all else fails, you can take it to your local pastoral preacher or whatever and say, what do you make of this? And that's fine. Um, you don't have to be able to solve all the problems all the time. I mean, life's not like that. And there are many, many things in human life where we just have to put things on hold and make a mental note. One day I'd like to know about that. And I have found over the last 50 years that many, many things which used to be really puzzling. I've done a long journey around and I didn't know it was going to do this, but then I get to somewhere else and suddenly that's not a problem anymore um, because I've seen a larger vision within which that is contained. Uh, and, and those are always good moments. Um, yeah, it's, and, it's like it's like assembling a jigsaw puzzle. Yeah, yeah, that's right. It is. It is. And, and the jigsaw puzzle is vast because there's nobody... Um, who knows everything from Genesis 1-1 right through the end of Revelation and understands perfectly every verse. We all need one another's help. And uh, that's how it's well, going to be. Dr. Wright, I want to thank you so much for providing us so much help on the Gospel of John, giving sure. us seven different ways to read it, to understand it. And um, and also, like, it was, it was also a reminder to us to, like, go back to the Gospel of John, because I feel like it's Absolutely. one of those books that I feel like I don't go to enough, because I'm like, I already know that story. I've read it enough. That's a problem, isn't it? And I, I feel that again and again when I'm reading through the Gospels, and I read through the Gospels day by day, I'm just sort of constantly going through them, the, the, the temptation is to think, oh, yeah, this is the prodigal son, I know this bit, or, oh, oh this is um, Herod killing John the Baptist, I know this bit. And then the challenge is, hang on, stop, <laughs> calm down, pray for wisdom to go down into the text and see what there may be that you've missed. And sometimes you can find something and sometimes you can't, but hopefully this book will help people to do that. Yeah, well, thank you again, Dr. Wright. Great, thank you. It's very good to be with you. All the very best. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Dr. N.T. Wright about spiritual direction, dealing with dark nights of the soul, and the importance of psalm reading. To learn more about N.T. Wright's thoughts on spirituality, make sure to check out his latest book called Broken Signposts, How Christianity Makes Sense of the World. It's a fantastic way to understand more about biblical spirituality. And next time, we're chatting with Dr. Amy Jill Levine at Vanderbilt Divinity School and Dr. Mark Brettler at Duke University about the ways that Jews and Christians read and understand the same Old Testament texts, but from different perspectives which reveals more of scripture's beauty and power. 
This upcoming two-part series provides us with a fascinating look at key Bible stories and different theological viewpoints. And before we go, I want to share three takeaways that I want to remember from today's discussion with N.T. Wright. Number one, finding and working with a spiritual director can assist us in self-discovery and understanding on how God may be working in our lives. Spiritual directors are like spiritual therapists who can ask the tough questions and point us to areas in our life that we need to spend time thinking about. Spiritual directors can also see ways that God may be working in our lives right now and we just don't see it. They can also be immensely helpful for us during those dark nights of the soul or those times when we're feeling depressed and or spiritually broken. Number two, psalm reading should become a regular part of our daily devotional periods. N.T. Wright talks with us about the importance of psalm reading for understanding the seasons of the Christian life. There are psalms of praise and worship and psalms of lament and despair. These are all part of the canon of scripture and they've been passed along to us to read and remember. And number three, keep a journal open during Bible readings to jot down passages that don't make sense. Anyone reading the Bible is gonna uncover complex and complicated passages that don't quite make sense to us. Dr. Wright suggests keeping track of those passages in a notebook so that you can explore those passages in more detail after your devotional time. There are plenty of commentaries and study tools to help you see different points of view on those passages. And this leads us to this week's question. Dr. Wright talked to us about the benefits of finding and working with a spiritual director and how they can help us with understanding ourselves and God. So the question this week is about spiritual direction. Have you ever thought about having a spiritual director to assist you? Do you think a spiritual director might be able to help you? Let me know. You can message me on Instagram or Twitter. You can find me at Delgado Podcast. And if you found this podcast helpful in any way, please let me know by rating the show on iTunes and or leaving a comment. Your vote can help this show get more visibility. Thank you so much, and we'll chat next time. Take care.